thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. All right, I'm going to lie. I'll let you in on the secret. It's actually Friday night. I uh, It's been a crazy week, and I have to work ridiculously early, so I'm recording this a little early. So thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball evening. We actually have a final yesterday in spring training. We got a final, well, earlier today against the Rockies in a game that wasn't televised, a game that wasn't on the radio, there wasn't an away feed. For some reason, nobody thought that this game needed to exist. Uh, But the Rockies beat the Indians 9-4. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And hey, before we get into this, if you're enjoying the show, please help it grow by leaving a rating and a review on whatever podcasting app you are listening on, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. We've got an all-five-star rating so far, so keep those rolling if you are enjoying the show. It takes a second. Give the show a star rating. Help other Indians fans, other Cleveland baseball fans find the show. All right, so let's get into some of the news, some of the things going on. Let's talk about the games for us first. I know there's a lot of news. There's Paul Dolan news, uh, Daniel Johnson news. Let's talk about the games because that's what we love on this podcast. And I completely forgot last week, absolutely forgot to do MVP for the week. Totally slipped my mind with all the news and players moving around and Ahmed Rosario going to center field. So MVP for the week, I think on the hitting side, I'm going to go with Roberto Perez. Uh, He had, uh, it wasn't a good week for the Indians. The Indians actually won one game this week against the A's, 7-3, and they've gotten beaten up pretty bad. Uh, They've lost four straight, and before that A's win, they had lost four in a row. Now, of course, the record means nothing. Of course, the record means absolutely nothing in spring training, but it's still fun to see your baseball team win. Uh, Perez has two home runs this week. Uh, Two multi-hit games this week against the Rockies and the A's. Drove in a bunch of RBIs this week. So Roberto Perez is getting my MVP for the week on offense. And for pitching, I'm going with Logan Allen. Logan Allen had a really strong start in that win against the A's. He ends up going four innings, four hits, no runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. Allen is definitely making the case for one of these starting pitching roles. And Zach Meisel had a good article about this, and I heard him talking about it on his podcast. And they're going to, if you assume that Bieber's going to get close to 200 innings, if Plesak and Safali are going to get not close, maybe over 150 innings, maybe 160, 170, how are you going to split up those other innings? So no matter what Three pitchers, four pitchers, five pitchers. There's off days, remember, in April. So they're not all going to break with the team. They don't need them. They just don't need them because of the off days. Those guys, they're going to use seven or eight pitchers. They've been talking about it on MLB radio when they did the Indians uh, spring training day on MLB radio. So Antonetti's talked about it. Francona's talked about it. You're going to see seven or eight starting pitchers throughout the season. It's very rare to only have five. So... How many innings do Allen, Quantrill, and McKenzie get? Maybe somebody else in in that mix. Maybe a spot start. Who knows? I think Allen should get the next most innings based on what we're seeing right now. Allen and McKenzie should get the next most innings. Quantrill is really searching for his command. And when you're a command pitcher, it's kind of a problem. He actually came in after Allen in that game. After Allen goes four scoreless innings. Quantrill, two innings, and ends up giving up three runs. Only one earned, but still, three hits, two walks, 
and two strikeouts. That's not a great line. So, Allen gets my MVP for the week on the pitching side, and I've got him, you know, if, if I'm making the call, and they keep saying they got some tough decisions to make in the next 10 days, we got some real tough decisions to make, I've already made that decision in my mind. Allen is getting one of those spots. Um, so is McKenzie and Quantrill. Go work on your command. Go spend a month in the alternate site and work on your command and be ready when, we're, when we need you because you will pitch. You are a starting pitcher on the Cleveland Indians. We just don't need you at the beginning of the season. All right. Now, the refrain that has just been running through articles and Twitter and podcasts, and I, I can't get away from it, is that the spring stats mean nothing. Nothing. Everything happening out in Arizona right now means nothing. And it's driving me insane. And I tweeted about this. Is, you know, why are we broadcasting these games? Why are we having radio broadcasts of these games? Why are we podcasting about these games, writing articles, daily articles about these games? If they mean nothing, they have to mean something, right? I'm not saying that these stats matter. I'm not saying that these stats matter at all, but they have to matter a little bit, a teeny bit, and in specific scenarios. And the example I threw out on Twitter is if a guy says he's been working on mechanical things during the offseason, how are those translating? I think that's more evident for the hitters than it is for the pitchers. For the pitchers, yes, the balls don't break out in Arizona. Yes, they're working on different things in their starts. Maybe they're trying to add a new pitch in. You know, I'm not worried about Shane Bieber's stats, especially when Ahmed Rosario makes three errors in center. I'm not worried about his stats. But for a guy like Yu Cheng, who talked about changing his stance, he's opening up his hips, he's opening up his front foot to try to generate more power, the fact that he's hitting home runs out there in spring training is kind of important. Uh, For Bobby Bradley, who we want to see, you know, Cut down on strikeouts. Continue that power. Cut down on strikeouts. Same for Fermil Reyes. These things are important. And for uh, uh, Bowers, Jake Bowers, who's competing at first base with Bobby Bradley. These things are important. If Bowers is racking up strikeouts, which he is, it's not going well for Bowers out there. He's doing terrible at the plate. This matters. So uh, there was an interesting article I found on The Athletic um, from Eno Saris. And he wrote the article, the six spring training stats and players that might actually matter this season. And he, he kind of was going along the same thing. Like the first one was CJ Crone from the Rockies, who had 115.8 mile per hour exit velocity, exit velocity on a double. Now, obviously, does that matter? Should he make the team? No. But if you are that organization, seeing that he's back to that exit velocity tells you something about his approach at the plate right now. And it might tell you that this guy has some untapped potential, something left in the tank uh, to start this season. Uh, The next one on his list, uh, plate appearances. This is just for the fan. Like, it shows you which players are really getting looks. Uh, He gives Josh Rojas from the Diamondbacks as the example. Here's one. Here's one Indians fans would be interested in. Uh, Miles per hour on a pitch. Robbie Ray from the Blue Jays is 2.3 miles per hour higher on his fastball right now. And he came into camp the best shape of his life. Where have we heard that before? 
And uh, that's important. You know, if you're keeping an eye on Karinchak and Classe and Ghost and uh, Trevor Steven and all these flamethrowers that are now magically in the Indians' bullpen, it feels like we didn't have any last year except for Karinchak really wasn't lighting up the gun last year. He was throwing so many curveballs. Uh, now we've got all these flamethrowers. So seeing them pop in the gun like that, that matters. That's a stat that matters. So, yeah, so it's an interesting article. If you head over to The Athletic, uh, six stats, six spring training stats that actually might matter. So, uh, yeah, so some of these things, some of these things are interesting. So I decided to go back and look. Let's dig into some numbers. Let's have some fun in the past. And starting with the 2019 spring training, was there a player in that spring training that was really going off? And then how did that translate into the start of the season? So the two players I identified, and I kind of stuck with hitting on this one, because like we said, the pitching's a little bit different. They're still warming up their bodies. They're warming up their arms. I get that. Oscar Mercado is the name you're going to remember from the 2019 spring training. He had a 1.165 OPS for guys that were getting normal plate appearances. That was by far the highest. He had 40 at-bats that season, uh, that spring training. He hit 400, three home runs, nine RBIs. He didn't break camp with the team. But he finally came up on May 14th, so in his first full month with the team, uh, it was 13 games in May, it actually translated. He came out of camp, and he was still hitting. He had 304 for that month. He had an 819 OPS. He didn't have any much power, only one home run, but he was still hitting three doubles. So that time it translated. You know who else was doing great that spring? Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana, 63 at-bats, hit 397, a 1.084 OPS. That's a really good OPS. If I know we try to break down these stats, remember, on this show. So if you don't know OPS, you've probably been seeing it for a few years now. It's just on-base percentage plus slugging percentage. Can't be simpler. Uh, if you're above an 800 or so OPS, you're doing pretty good. So being over 1,000, you had a great spring. Carlos Santana, how does he translate that into the first month of the season? He stays red hot, hits 316 with an 893 OPS, three homers and 16 RBIs in that month of April. He came out swinging. And you remember 2019 was a great season for Carlos Santana. Being back in Cleveland didn't go so well in 2020. All right, let's move on to 2018 spring training. Who was red hot coming out of the 2018 spring training? Surprisingly, Giovanni Urshela. Yeah, that guy killing it for the Yankees right now. Giovanni Urshela had a great spring training in 2018. In uh, 42 at-bats, he hit 500. He had three home runs and uh, a 1369 OPS. All right, how did that translate into the season? Not as well. He also didn't break camp with the team. They brought him up in May. He only stuck around to mid-June. He played in 19 games. He only hit 233. With only a 608 OPS, he went back down. Uh, wasn't ready for major league pitching, but we see where that turned out now. So that's a guy where it didn't translate. Also from that spring training, Yonder Alonso. Remember Yonder Alonso at first base? He crushed it that spring. He had seven home runs in 56 at bats in spring training. He had 375 with a 1284 OPS. How did that translate in uh, in the first month of the season? Well, in April and a few games in March, he had 
eight home runs in the month of April to go with 21 RBIs. Now, he only hit 234, so he was not getting on base a lot. But when he was making contact, he was smoking the ball. He had a 795 OPS. Eight home runs, that puts him on pace. I mean, a six-month season, eight home runs puts him on pace for like 48 home runs. That's crazy. Now, he ends the season with a respectable 23. So he does cool off here. But the power translated, the power he showed out in Arizona, he brings back to Cleveland with him and starts the season with eight home runs. So that's a pretty good one from 2018. All right, 2017. Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz was actually one of the best hitters in camp in, uh, in 2018, 2017. Sorry, And so was Jan Gomes. Uh, Yandy Diaz in 48 at-bats. Jan Gomes at 46. Diaz, not much pop. I know he's not really known for his power, but hit 458 with a 1252 OPS. How does that translate? Yandy Diaz did not. He broke camp with the team, but for the month of April, he plays in 15 games. Did not translate well. Only a 236, only a 550 OPS, which is really low. No home runs. Uh, yeah, so that's a guy who really probably looked great in spring training. Everybody convinced themselves that he was ready. Yeah, it didn't work out so well. Jan Gomes, I don't think it worked out so well for him either. He only had a 176 batting average in the month of April. All these stats are the month of April. So just to see how a guy translates from spring training into the season. Did not go well. Also a 550 OPS. All right. And then 2016, I can't do a podcast without talking about my boy Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin. Man, you should see some of the names on this uh, list from just from just guys that were just coming up. Greg Allen had it at bat in two games. Yu Chang had three at bats in the 2016 spring training. But the guy who was the talk of camp was Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin, 58 at bats. He had four home runs, uh, three triples, three doubles, 397 batting average with a 1.203 OPS. Tyler Naquin was smoking the ball. Fought his way onto the team, and he had a really good April. He ends up getting 341 for the month of April, ends up with an 833 OPS, and this translated to the whole season. I mean, if you remember, he was in the running for Rookie of the Year. He finishes batting 296 on the season with an 886 OPS. I mean, this is why I fell in love with Tyler Naquin as a player, as an outfielder. I really thought this guy had the potential to do big things in Cleveland, and obviously injuries derailed his career. But here's a guy who smoked in the ball in spring training and totally took it into the season and just ran with it. Just had a great season in 2016. So uh, the other one, I've given you two from every season. The other one I looked up was actually Mike Napoli. Mike Napoli had himself a pretty good spring training on 55 at-bats, four home runs, 14 RBIs, 364 average with a 1.063 OPS. How does that translate into the season? Eh, not well, not well. Only a 205 average, four home runs for the month of April. Uh, only good for a 672 OPS. That's pretty low for a power hitter. But if you actually remember, I mean, that was the party at Napoli season. He goes on to hit 34 home runs and 101 RBIs in that season. So he didn't come out of the gate hot, but he definitely showed you in spring training that there was something left in the tank. It took a little while. Maybe it took the weather to break in Cleveland for him to find it. But he finishes the season with 34 home runs and 101 RBIs. So 
that spring actually was a little bit reflective of what Mike Napoli had left. So there is a deep dive on guys that have flashed in spring training, guys that have really shown out in spring training, and what it translated to once they started the season. Sometimes the stats do matter. Sometimes they really do. Tyler Naquin's stats, those mattered. Oscar Mercado's stats in 2019, those mattered. Carlos Santana, same thing. So, I mean, I, I a little bit, okay? Just get off the stats don't matter at all train. Just let them matter a little bit. And let us enjoy the games, right? When the stats matter a little bit, the games are fun. When the battle between Bobby Bradley and Jake Bowers matters a little bit, the games are fun. Remember, baseball is supposed to be fun. Which leads us to all the depressing news of the week. So the first one is Daniel Johnson is the latest guy to get sent down. We knew there were too many outfielders, right? We knew there were too many outfielders on this team. Now they moved Ahmed Rosario to center field, and that did not go well. That was a disaster in his first game. I mean, you feel bad for him. He clearly was not ready to be out there. You know, tracking, it looked like he was trying to catch everything off to the side. You know, the way a shortstop might try to snag a line drive and stop it from going into center field. He was trying to catch everything off to the side instead of actually getting underneath the ball right, and squaring up to the ball. So it did not go well. Shane Bieber's uh, ERA suffered the most, uh, but they were very forgiving. They patted him on the back. They told him not to hang his head, and yeah, he shouldn't hang his head. Converting to a new position is going to be tough. There's no rush. He's still, Ahmed Rosario is still a really young guy, so there is time for him to go to the alternate site, for him to play some AAA games in center field. I think there's still options on him. I have I did not look that up ahead of time. There's time. There's no rush. I know they want Ahmed Rosario's bat in the lineup, right? That That's what this is all about. Finding a spot where they can get his bat into the lineup because it can't be a shortstop. It can't be a DH. I actually thought first base. I'm shocked they haven't tried him at first base. At least there he's feeling, fielding ground ball still, and he's got a pretty... He's pretty tall. It seems like he's got a, a decent build to play first base. Uh, I was surprised that that wasn't on the table. Maybe it was. I don't know. But they're trying to get his bat in the lineup. But it might take half a season you know, for him to figure something out in the outfield. I, uh, you know, or an in, you know, who knows? Who know, an injury or something on the infield? Who knows how they're going to find a way to get his bat in this lineup? But that's the goal. That's the ultimate goal because he could still hit. There is definitely potential in that bat. We've seen it a little bit in spring training, if you look at his stats. All right, but Daniel Johnson gets sent down, and there's too many outfielders. They didn't even give him a chance in center field. I think that's what's got Indians fans so mad, that they didn't even give him a chance in center field. They've strictly been playing him in right field, and it's like, look, you have a right fielder. You told us you have an established right fielder in Josh Naylor. You told us that you don't have an established center fielder. So why isn't he in the mix? And they'll tell you it's because they've got Zimmer, they've got Mercado, they've got Ben Gamble. Still in there. Yeah, Ben Gamble is still in this mix, by the way. He has not been released yet or sent to the minors or, you know, offered to go to another team. Whatever they do for these veterans when they tell them they're not making the team anymore, Gamble is still in this mix to make the team. So, uh, yeah, so Daniel Johnson gets the early news. I don't know. Maybe they think they're doing him a favor by not getting his hopes up, by letting him know. I, I think he is going to be the first guy 
called up if anything happens in the outfield. I'm pretty sure they said he's going to play all three positions down there. So he should be ready at some point to take over one of these outfield spots. Maybe it is center field. Maybe by May, they're like, my God, we our center fielders are hitting 175 with a 406 OPS. Please call Daniel Johnson up here. I mean, Zimmer, don't forget, Zimmer and Mercado were some loved prospects a few seasons ago. So uh, don't give up on Zimmer and Mercado yet, but I know we're all excited for Daniel Johnson to get a chance. That's all we want. Just give him a shot. All right. The other news that's going on is this Paul Dolan news. And my God, Paul Dolan just seems to put his foot in his mouth every time he speaks. Now, I will say, I'll put it on the record, that I agree with all of you Indians fans that Paul Dolan is a really cheap owner. That the Indians payroll, where it's at in the 50 million range or something when it's all said and done, is embarrassing for a team that's been running the Central Division for most of the 2010s, probably. I mean, the second half of the 20-teens has kind of been the Indians' run. And I know Minnesota has caught up to us now, and the White Sox think they've caught up to us. Although, I want to see how those White Sox hitters do against the Indian pitching, because it didn't go so well for them in 2020. I mean, we dashed their hopes, basically, at the end of the 2020 season there. So, I'm everybody is high on the White Sox right now. I want to see them face Bieber and Plesak, and let's see. Let's see if everybody's still so high on those hitters. Um, they might crush everybody else, but I feel like the Indians pitchers might have their number still. So yeah, so it's embarrassing that the payroll has dropped to what it is. It's embarrassing that they weren't able to hold on to a guy that should have been a franchise player, right? A guy that should have been a legend in Cleveland and now may go on to be a legend in New York as far as a player goes. I His attitude, eh, 2020, his attitude at times... Anyways, I'm not going to get into Lindor right now because we're crushing Paul Dolan. So Dolan talks to the Akron Roundtable, Akron Press Club or something like that, and he just puts his foot in his mouth all over the place. He's talking about the name change. He says that it could be somewhere in the middle of 2020. It could be somewhere in the middle of the season if we know if it's going to the new name will be ready by 2022 or we might have to push the name change out to 2023. Come on. Come on. The Athletic already ran their poll. They figured out a new name. They settled on the Guardians with a fan vote. The fans were able to come to a consensus through the Athletic. Although, Zach Meisel, going back to him again, friend of the show, on his podcast, was saying that uh, he thinks there was some ballot stuffing, uh, some ballot box stuffing going on when the Guardians went up against the Spiders. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the fans know what they want out of a new name, right? I don't know why why they need to take two years to come up with a new name. You know what the popular names out there. You know what the fans are thinking. You know what would be meaningful to this city. Something that ties into our history a little bit. Something that uh, doesn't represent a race of people. And something that has nothing to do with rock and roll. Because we get it. We're the rock and roll city. We get it, It's been done. So even the Cavs didn't put a guitar in their NBA All-Star Game logo, okay? The Cavs have moved on from it too. 
So yeah, so the fans can make this decision. Why can't you? What is taking you so long? I, I mean, some people are like thinking that maybe they're waiting to sell the team or something like that, and then the new owner could pick, which leads me into the next thing, which is the minority owner. They're back on the search for a minority owner. It won't be LeBron James because now he is a minority owner in the Red Sox through various investing things. I don't think LeBron James was necessarily trying to buy a baseball team. In fact, I'm pretty sure he said he's trying to buy a basketball team when his career's done. But he's searching for a minority owner now. Pick up those shares that John Sherman owned, who now owns the Kansas City Royals. And that basically we all have to sit here. We all have to sit here while Paul Dolan loses money. Every year they lose money. He said it. He hasn't shown it, but he said it many times. And we just have to sit here and deal with this pathetic payroll until this minority owner comes along to save us. Now, I was talking with my brother about this for a little bit tonight, and, I mean, how many baseball teams have actually moved cities in the last few years, in the last, in this century? I mean, it does not happen often. Baseball teams now do not move that often, right? The Expos moved to become the Nationals. Who, I mean, maybe, no, Miami, some people have changed from, the Florida Marlins to the Miami Marlins, but they always played in Miami. So yeah, the teams don't move that much in baseball. I don't think a new owner is going to come in here and sweep this team away to Nashville. I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is a great baseball city. Now, yes, attendance might suffer, but you know what? It's hard to go to a 7 o'clock game on a Tuesday night. I got stuff to do. I have You got family responsibilities. You got work responsibilities. It's hard to go to a baseball game these days. It just is. And uh, we bring it on the weekends. We bring it when there's, you know, when the team is good and the team starts building. Our, the, the atmosphere down there is incredible during a playoff run. You know, this is a baseball town. And I don't think a new owner is necessarily just going to move this team. You cannot make the assumption that someone's going to buy this team and instantly move it. Stop it. Just stop. But the Dolans do need to come up with something because they are doing a terrible job of, uh, of running this team right now. An absolute terrible job. There were some other nuggets on there. You could go on cleveland.com and find the article. Um, talking about the lease, you know, the progressive field lease expires in 2023. Uh, they want to secure, you know, negotiate a new lease and secure the team's presence in Northeast Ohio for the foreseeable future. Now, the Dolans have absolutely no plan on moving the team. I can guarantee you that. Um, Terry Francona's future, they said as long as he's healthy and wants to do it, he's going to be the manager here. So if you're a Tito fan, I, I like Tito. I like him. Um, he's obviously changed this franchise from what it was in the early 2000s. Um, yeah, so uh, he's going to be the manager for a long time. Uh, I, I the only thing the only problem I have right now with Terry Francona is his kind of commitment to the veteran players. When at this transition point, I'm really excited to see some of these younger players. So that's kind of what I'm held up on right now. Um, I hope I think Brian Shaw is going to make the team. I hope it doesn't hold back. A young, you know, someone like Trevor Steven, who we got in the Rule Five draft from the Yankees, who seems really exciting as a relief pitcher. I hope something it doesn't screw up something like that because you know he wanted to give Brian Shaw a chance. I hope 
I don't know, keeping Ben Gamble around doesn't impact Daniel Johnson's future. So we'll see if Francona can be a little more flexible with some of the younger players and give them a real chance. Um, so yeah, so those are the, some of the things Paul Dolan said. And he just, every time he talks, it makes you not want him as an owner. Every time he stays away and lets Antonetti and Francona do their jobs and sure enough, uh, the perception of the team is always better. Every time he comes forward and talks, talking about the Mickey Calloway things, and I get it. They can't comment until MLB finishes their investigation. But I really wish they could just say something about the culture of their own organization. So, yeah, so that's the bad news. That's the off-field news. That's the depressing news. But we are getting closer to the season there are going to be a ton of roster decisions coming. There are going to be a ton of roster decisions this week. Probably, it has to be. We're running out of spring training games here. So decisions are coming. You know, the Tigers are looming. April 1st is opening day against the Tigers. So decisions are coming in these next few days. And this roster is really going to start to take shape. I mean, we know... We know the spots we pretty much could have guessed at the beginning of spring training, and we don't know the spots that we couldn't guess at the beginning of spring training. First base, center field, bullpen, fourth and fifth starter. Those things are still mysteries to the fans. So there's going to be a lot of excitement this week. Pay attention to Indians news, and I'll be back next Saturday with another episode of Cleveland Baseball Mornings to break it all down Take a look at what this roster it finally looks like. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have a good picture of what this roster is going to look like. And that last week could be spent just getting the team ready for the season. We'll name another MVP for the week because I enjoy those games out there in Arizona. They keep me company while I'm finishing my work day. And I appreciate the effort they're putting in out there. So I'm going to give them credit for their stats. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from uh, spring training yesterday. It was the Rockies 9, the Indians 4. They're facing the White Sox later today. That game, if you have the MLB app, you might be able to pick up the White Sox feed. So if you want to see, there should be some highlights at least of this game coming out. Unlike that Rockies game, which nobody felt like covering. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. I'm open to your thoughts. I'm open to your opinions. I want to talk about them on the show. You just got to email me or tweet at me. It's that easy. If you feel strongly about the Cleveland Indians or anything I talked about on the show, send me an email at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.